Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. Well, we are officially getting ready for back to school. Some of you may already be in school with your kiddos. Um, It depends on where you are in the country or the world, for that matter. Some of the southern states start real early, and many of the kiddos went back to school last week. This week and the next week, we're looking at more like New England and some other areas of the country. So what do you need to do to get ready for back to school? So many things. (laughs) I remember that my checklist for Elizabeth and Caroline going back to school, who had very different needs, both had their own individual needs, though. The checklist was endless. It just went on forever. I always took the last week of August off so that I could get my kids launched properly to their new school year. There was always last minute things like for Elizabeth, you know, making sure that we had a stash slash supply of formula and G-tubing and syringes and medication and extra bottles for the medication that need to go back and forth to school or need to stay at school extra um, diapers and wipes and other incontinent care um, items and just went on and on and on. And, you know, even to the last minute, I would forget, oh gosh, we need that notebook to go back and forth from teacher to parent so that we can write each other notes. Craziness. Um, Many times we'd have a new nurse, so we would have to train that new nurse and just a lot. Uh, I could not wrap my head around all the things I needed to do for them and still be present at work. So while other people are having their last blast of summer, (laughs) we were busy packing backpacks and medical kits and so on. Caroline had her own needs. Uh, She struggled a lot with executive function. Many of you will identify with this and would often not be able to pack her own backpack and plan for what she was going to need. The days of school with her, oh Lord, there was a forever hunting through the backpack looking for those pieces of paper that got crumpled at the bottom that had her assignment on it and so much more. Forgetting to unpack her lunchbox and all kinds of different things. So that in and of itself was also fun. Uh, She was also very sensitive. She would only wear certain things. Oh, so many, so many items. Okay, so get all that together, get ready. And then, you know, just the the trauma and drama begins. (laughs) And then, you know, on top of that, just trying to make sure that all of their supports are in place from their IEP or their program and everything that they need, whether it's tutors or OT, PT, speech, what have you. Checking in with each new person because every year we're starting from scratch practically. A very uh, challenging situation handing off especially Elizabeth from year to year. So this week's podcast is right on point. Besides me giving you the advice of don't lose your mind, planning is your best friend. And by the way, before I jump into this week's podcast episode, we do have a back to school checklist that we've posted. 
So please go to our website at specialneedscompanies.com and check in and see if that back to school checklist would be helpful for you. Maybe it'll have a thing or two that you did not think of or had forgotten about. But at any rate, I never met a checklist I didn't love. <laughs> it just keeps me sane. Hope it helps you too. Okay, so this week's podcast, I am doing um, a, I did an interview with Lisa Marie Clinton, who is the director of Avail Support and also works with Central Reach. And this program is just phenomenal for working with neurodiverse individuals and celebrating education and skills for them, as well as supporting them with emerging technologies. I am not as great with emerging technology as I should be, but I was so jazzed to read the stories and to interview Lisa Marie and find out the fabulous things that are happening. So one thing about technology, especially in the workplace or even in a school setting, is if it can replace a person, it absolutely pushes our people into more independence and self-determination. Anytime that our people do not have to rely on another person to do things for them or to interpret for them, we are, we are removing a barrier for them to integration. And in addition, I mean, add to that the absolute complex situations that we're in now with hiring staff and bringing in programs and supports for both children and adults with disabilities. This could be a godsend. So I would love for you to check this interview out. Tell me what you think go ahead and look at all of the um, information that we have in our show notes. Check out the website and look at some of the videos, et cetera, on Instagram. Uh, really, really inspiring and um, the stuff that dreams are made of. So I am hoping that you get as jazzed about this as I do. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Please let me know what your thoughts are, questions that you have, and any topics of interest that you would love this podcast to cover. If you're interested in being interviewed, please let us know that as well. You can get in touch with us at hello at specialneedscompanies.com. Thanks so much. Today, I am talking about one of my favorite all-time topics, which is employment for people with disabilities. I have an expert with me, yay, Lisa Marie Clinton, all the way from Ireland. So she says, don't let her accent put you off. <laughs> I actually think it's lovely. So we are so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming, Lisa. Thank you, Annette. Great to be here. So we're going to talk about something really interesting. So I didn't know that there was software that exists that can help people with disabilities in an employment setting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. She's an expert. She's a creator of the software and um, it's called Avail, right? Right. Um, so that actually stands for Assisted Visuals Achieving Independent Living. Um, so wow. just to give you a bit of a, an input there. 
So tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to be interested in this field. Well, it's probably quite unique or maybe some might say it's not I, I obviously come from the space so um I worked in a special needs school here that specialized for those with autism implementing applied behavior analysis as a therapy and strategy that was used to support independence and achievement of IEP goals um, but I also wanted and was eager to understand independent living and employment and residential. So the full kind of range of disability services. Um, so that really I spent like a number, a significant number of years there. And I also then wanted to go back to do my master's and kind of explore, OK, well, how, uh, how can we improve this space or the services that we delivered? So that's really kind of was my fundamental background. Um, and then I did work with uh, a little boy called Liam, who was nonverbal um, and autistic. And, you know, he was quite innovative, like kind of the kids of his age, he was five and using technology. And right. um, so I was delivering my teaching strategy and I had like printed pictures and, um, and he was there taking pictures on his iPad. And there really was probably a realization moment is in, hang on a minute, what am yeah. I doing? I, I'm the adult here, but yeah, you're utilizing technology. You're motivated. It was his biggest reinforcer. Right. And I'm not adapting my teaching strategies to meet the capabilities that you clearly have. Right. Um, so at that point, I did say, okay, well, hang, like if I can digitalize my teaching props that they can be implemented outside of the four walls that I was teaching well then I can deliver therapy and teaching instructions that can be implemented by his parent by his school and into his future in you know looking for a job or needing to live independently that he can have the prompts that he needs that's personalized to him 24-7. So really at that point, I was so motivated that I left that evening and thankfully I was doing my master's at the time and I was like, this is what I want to focus and study on. Um, and bearing in mind, absolutely zero technology experience. Yeah. Um, not even technically competent and I probably <laughs> shouldn't say that or disclose it, but um, that's where I was starting from. But what I did have and still have is a clear motivation on understanding or recognizing that uh, technology can enhance uh, the lives of, of people with disability. Um, so that's where I left that evening. Um, and I was committed to do this for Liam and for others. So it really was like a personalized goal of mine for the individuals yeah. that I served, quite selfish that I wanted to do that for them. Um, but unfortunately, before we had a prototype, poor Liam uh, passed away from an inoperable brain tumor at the age of oh. five. Um, and I was with him the week before he passed away. And I promised him that no matter what, he was going to be one remembered and that I was going to go through all the sacrifices that you have to go through when you're a startup and getting something developed and funded and out there. Um, so he can be remembered. And again, here's another opportunity and that he's been, you know, his legacy is shared um, and that he's been celebrated for the independence that others have achieved. So, um, oh, wow. So that is a really great story. And thank you, Liam. 
for providing yes. motivation and inspiration for this creativity that Lisa Marie has. Yeah, I, I think that's just awesome. Um, and so fast forward a little bit, you took that idea. And then what did it? What did what did it grow up into? You know, what is it now? So Avail is a leading program in what we focused on is mostly employment, as you mentioned at the start. Um, so a supported employment tool that is utilized by um, agencies, support employment agencies, by um, providers in the space, maybe even delivering residential or independent living, um, by schools to maximize and augment services that they deliver. So mm -hmm. if you think of a job coach, that's supporting someone to become uh, ready for employment, to have the skills that they may need to be employment ready or the skills that they made when they get into employment. So what do, what is the employer's expectations? And um, they utilize Avail as kind of like a virtual job coach. So they would digitalize the instructions, be it how do you travel to work? Uh, how do you conduct an interview? What are the job roles and tasks that that employer expects you to complete by yourself? So they would be instructions, digital instructions by video modeling or audio or pictorial or prompts or text. Um, really, we look at how would that job coach provide support one-to-one? -one? And then how can we digitalize that? Mm -hmm. So not to replace, but to augment, because that job coach can't be with that person 24-7. And if you go right. back a step and we look at as an advocate and a facilitator to someone who may, may need, require additional resources, our goal is always to get that person to be as independent as possible. Right. So we're kind of thinking about it in a different way and saying, okay, to get you to that point, we need to empower you to have the tools and strategies that you need to be independent on your own without reliance on it, uh, on a, uh, on a person. That, yes. So, yeah, because really right now, Lisa Marie, we can't get these people. I mean, before the right. pandemic, we were already having trouble getting people into job coaching programs all over the world and also getting employers comfortable with hiring. So you're coming at this from both directions too. You're providing something to support the individual on a very individualized basis. And I'm gonna ask you how that works, but you're also providing support through reach strategies to the employer as well, right? Right, yeah. So we work with, um, we, you know, we've some video footage of uh, employees that's working in home suites and Walgreens and other kind of maybe small employers that are utilizing as a, as a induction tool. And not only for people with disabilities, but when we, we know with inclusive design, it can help everyone. And that's really kind of an element that shows that you have designed something that, um, is just like best practice and, and mm -hmm. is a, a learning tool that works for all. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We do see in the space that I suppose post COVID one that we do have a shortage of, um, you know, job coaches and support staff. But one of the perhaps self-reliant, if I might say, is that we have, you know, recognition and awareness of digital strategies or digital approaches 
in conducting our work. And I re- we really see that that has followed through for people with disabilities, which is one right. of the, the benefits that we can say, okay, well, well, we didn't think that we could use Zoom or we didn't think that we could offer remote services. This is what we hear from, from agencies. But of course you can. But I think another challenge um, that I want to overcome in our work as well is that, you know, don't limit anyone's capabilities I think you should be just because you may have a disability or anyone may all of us have different challenges but if you see that challenge and bow down then nobody's going to reach their full potential so I think it's I think coming out of COVID we have seen that people have maybe higher expectations because you can utilize technology you can explore different ways of of, uh, teaching. Um, So we see it both on the provider side and the employer side that there is more openness now. now. Yeah, and some of the statistics that you were quoting to me in uh, some of our correspondence are pretty awful. Do we want to just, you know, kind of review where we're at with employment for people with autism and other intellectual and and developmental disabilities? 85% um, of those uh, autistic individuals are unemployed. It's, you know, a bit shocking and it's, um, you know, and and you know that the capability is there, but either the opportunity or the flexibility or even just maybe sometimes it can be, the fear of the unknown for employers mm-hmm. that may be the barrier um, to explore or um, the lack of awareness of, well, how do I do this? Or who do I connect with? Or how can I do this in the best way or the most appropriate way? And, and sometimes you kind of overthink some of these things as opposed yeah. to um, just giving someone the opportunity or, or the chance. I love the idea that we are using technology to not only get people to gain more independence and self-determination, but also to remove the, the, um, the barrier that people as staff support really are. Because when you have to do something with a person all the time, you are very limited in what you can accomplish because you're only as good as the staff person standing next to you. And the minute they quit or you have a change, you know, of somebody, it's, it's very, it's very disruptive to a person, but it's also very limiting to a person as well. I mean, we have this experience all the time where, Oh, somebody wants to be able to work, but there's no transportation available for them, or there's not a person to go with them, or, you know, whatever the case may be. So this is just it's so enlightening to me. I mean, I didn't know it existed. I'm so excited to learn about it. Because anytime we can get people away from that marriage of having to be with a staff person all the time, we are going to win. Yeah. Yeah, you put you put it very well that marriage and it just is it's it's even stronger than association. It's like, you know, you're a person with a disability and and sometimes you're nearly as I do see the support nef- network is kind of like advocating for one to one as best case scenario and it's not to mm-hmm. think that one to one is you might think that unless you're very 
aware that your goal is to fade that person out you know we when as being in education I this talk that I went to just was really empowering in, in an approach that the day that a child enters school you should be planning for the day that they leave and what it looks like for that person leaving wow. and it should be yeah I, I really stuck to me and it's the same that we think about avail the day that they enter and get a license we need to think about them well one not having not requiring um as much one-to-one support and not having avail because our goal also is to get you as independent avail is the bridge to enable you to learn the necessary skills to get you there um right. But one of the um, responses that we got from an individual, um, so Avail, sorry, I'm not sure if I even um, kind of give a technical overview of what it is. It's a prompting kind of strategy and program that is implemented on a smart device. So it's discreet. It's, mm-hmm. it's inclusive. It doesn't look like, you know, you have a, a board of pictures and instructions or, you know, that one-to-one person that you may have, had you know all of your life and um, right. but what what struck to me is this this individual that was like I have ownership of learning mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes you do but when you think about it when did people with disability or anyone that has like a, a not even a disability but outside of that who may have need that support network have ownership of learning that they can control when they need support and that they don't have to ask a person because if you're in employment, you say that marry with a one-to-one person. I don't want someone looking over me, giving instructions. I want to be able to do it myself. And that's right. where if you're implementing it in technology, which is inclusive and it's engaging and innovative. And I have it in my pocket. One, I, I have the necessary needs that I, that I um, can be independent but I also have a, a kind of the confidence that it gives me as a kind of security blanket that I can learn new skills. And often our users would say, can you put this on my tablet? Can you put this into a veil? Because when they have some success, they unleash these other goals that they have because this works for them. So that really is kind of one of the motivation kind of factors that's massive within our team that we see that all the time, which, you know, it's incredible for us to say, it now gives you an advice to say, well, I want to do all these other things now. And can you create the prompts for me to have those? I love that. I always talk about uh, voice and choice. We need people's voices to be heard, but we also need their choices to be acknowledged and, um, you know, accepted. Um, So, this is so just, it's blowing my mind, really. Can you dig in a little bit with me and just kind of talk me through an example of how this would work in somebody's everyday life, whether it's employment or independent living skills or what have you? And it's ABA based, right? It is. So we utilize principles derived from ABA. So if you think of task analysis, which is really commonly used that you have a skill that you want to teach and you break it down to simple steps so what would um step one be would say if it was hygiene uh step one of brushing your teeth or step one of stocking the shelf or um you know getting the bus or whatever it may be so you have would say 10 steps within that task 
Mm-hmm. And then under each step, you select what prompt you're going to utilize to teach that step. So if it was, you know, stock in the shelf, um, you'd look at, well, maybe the first step would be um, check each section and see if they're empty and you'd have maybe a picture of the empty shelf or and then next step two would be here's how you use maybe the the pricing gun because that might be a video because it's more of an action step Um, and bearing in mind video modeling was you know implemented in the 60s and they're actually using tape recorders it was that effective and the research was shown how successful it was in teaching prompts and they went to the bother of creating videos on a tape and putting them into the tv which I still remember that but it seemed like a lot of work back then but it was yeah. it was it worked so well and, and now you know think of it's all the so people that go to YouTube yeah yeah it's, it's so on your device you hit you point your phone and-, and you take a video of what you're doing or you can do you know the screenshots on your computer it's so great yeah yeah, so we utilize the common uh, features that's on a mobile device. We layer it up with best practice based on ABA and, and personal center planning and prompts. And then we present it in a way that is understood um, for those who are very strong visual learners and need kind of simple instructions. Um, so then you create your prompts or your tasks. It will automatically go to that. We call them learner and facilitators. Um, but as an agency, we say, you know, we're onboarding Easter Seals now in your state, which we're really excited about. Yes, um, yes. They can create, yes, <laughs> thumbs up. Um, yes, thumbs up. <laughs> uh, they can create their own library. So it means that they have a resource that they can share. Um, and this was really exciting. This is one of the reasons why they were so motivated and excited about Avail is that they can create their own digital tasks and, and skills. Um, so that's the content creation piece. But for us, it's not just around content creation. We need to assess um, how effective these goals are and add that quantifiable um, element to offering programs. So we've also built in an assessment model where true repetition, which we know is, is what might be required for learning, the system will prompt you to say, okay, please assess that person completing stacking the shelf to see is the prompts working and are they learning? So here we add data to it. So um, for example, we could, one of the arcs that we worked with in, in California, we could see that it was 76% increase in mastering skills based on the system. Yeah. Um, so we really add that layer of um quantifiable measurable outcomes which I think is needed in this right, space right. as opposed to being subjective so we have all of that and reporting and, and that what you might need for funding or for um projects so it's not just about the teaching it's about layering up the data and measurable outcomes um which I think we lose sometimes when we go into the adult service that you might have in an education but if we're delivering a service and especially maybe require and, and gain and funding for it. It should be measurable. We should be able to show the outcomes right. that we can deliver for that um, for the funding or the, or the program as parents want to see, um, you know, funders as an organization, you want to prove 
the success of the programs that you're you're offering. And as an employer, you would want to know that oh, correct. Yeah. Your tasks. Yes. You don't want to just depend on maybe a supervisor to have anecdotal information. You want to actually have some data to say, well, three, three months into it, they're stuck in the shelves. Now they yeah. can learn the next task instead yes. of being stuck in that job forever. You want to upskill. So you want to know how quick they can be um, inducted into the role, master the tasks, um, and then upskill. Um, we actually had an example of another employer who they, you know, created all the prompts and then again found that the person that was delivering, that was, uh, you know, getting the avail prompts was more effective in both completing the task um, and also completing it at a faster pace than other employees. So oh. we're like, can we utilize this yeah. um, for, for others? Because it was very, and, and not just for people with disabilities, for anyone who maybe have, you know, this different language or different learning styles, because it's quite visual, you can understand your expectation and how it's to be completed and you can do it. And then you have, you know, the reporting sides to say that it was done, um, which you can imagine is, is yeah. a motivation for employers. Yes, but also for the employee, they want to also get things done and be good at their job. Everybody does. Yeah, I know. And you want the satisfaction. And and we actually do add a bit of kind of reinforcement at the end um, for those who may really value that kind of reward piece or that, you know, well done or whatever it may be. So you can kind of personalize it that it could be the employer Mm. saying good job or um, whoever that significant person is. And we know that once a person is successful or, you know, inducted in a role, you know, we have 90%, I have a quote here, that's 90% retention rate. Like that's what employers want. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody wants to do this just as a feel good adventure. They really want to do this to be successful for both the employer and the employee. It's business. It, it, it's business. And, and, you know, the stats are there that if you're an inclusive um, employer, both the, in the, the 90% retention and the, you know, increase in revenue and the, the, the feel good um, element within creating a really positive culture, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the outcomes that you get as well as obviously supporting your community, but there's so many other like even financial gains of um, being open and, and um, you know, the other elements that employers can benefit from mm-hmm. by being inclusive. Well, I guess I want to just ask you one last thing, and I can picture my listeners, you know, just kind of churning away on this, right? But how, how do you make this available and accessible for people and how flexible is it because our people change all the time so how do we keep moving the software forward with the person's growth um you know how does that happen so how do people access it what's the availability and then and of course you know cost is a factor and then how do you keep it flexible so it keeps forward motion with the person's achievements yeah um 
So the system itself is built kind of around flexibility. So you would get a learner license, which is based on, you know, the person who's requiring support. And one, you can create your own content. Um, so based on that person's goal, be it, you know, a, a pre-employment program or they've got a job or maybe they're still in school working towards independent living, whatever that might be, to be built on that plan. So they start off with their own license. Or we actually have a team of experts that create content. So you can also have templates that would relate to, you know, common daily activities or tasks that we know from our work in the space that you can utilize. So you can merge that together. And that's truly personalized because when you have the license, it's offered to the agency. We would we would offer them training we'd support them in deployment and really it's their support network that would help input the content. So you can imagine it's in a person's home or um, those videos are relating to the employer. So it really is truly personalized matched to that person's ability and their environment because there's no point having my dishwasher and um, it has to be relevant to that person. So would it be all their kind of, you know, based on, what their goals are um, right. and, and the prompts suitable to what they would be kind of operating or using. So that's how kind of personalized it is. Um, so we'd, you know, sometimes we'd offer it to an employer or it could be a service provider. Um, so it'd be a full package with licenses and facilitator licenses um, and training and kind of ongoing support. And for us, for our team, it was you know, important for me to pull from the space. So most of our team actually are job coaches or um, mm. have worked and, and can, you know, empathize and understand the needs and maybe some of the challenges. And um, so they're on hand as well to kind of bring you through that process. Um, sorry, Annette, I probably missed half of that question that you had. No, I think- that's okay. That that was really great. I, I, I want to just like ask a follow-up though. So I, I really understand about the flexibility, but I'm back to, oh no, my stomach hurts because we're still requiring or depending on provider agencies to help deliver this. And how do we inspire them to do this and to do it in a way that's, you know, not ableist and very person-centered because this is such a problem in our community. The agencies by far are not person-centered and they're not seeing people as individuals and they just don't get it. You get it. You're awesome. You have this great, um, you know, creativity about you and, and, you know, your, your goals are, are amazing. But when it comes to the day to day, like it's the same 12 exercises that everybody gets from that PT and that OT, right? And the speech and language person. And, you know, you're lucky if you get one consult a month out of the, out of the adult service agency, because it costs money. So how do we get to that next step of getting everybody really invested in this? Yeah. And, and I, I hear you. And, And that really is when I mentioned that, you know, assessment and quantifiable outcomes. That's why that's, you know, I've, I've read and you know what, I've probably done some reports myself that I find myself repeating the same, you know, sentence that Joe is still working on this goal. 
you know, mm-hmm. I've seen reports that like five years later, Joe is still working on this goal. And you're like, stop, we need to do it a different way. Yeah. Um, so like, that's not going to be solved by us. Um, or, you know, if any of your listeners want to give some suggestions, <laughs> please reach out and, and help me with this. Yeah. But, um, I think it's a culture shift. I think it is moving. And I think we, you know, we share a number of examples and case studies to show how it's possible and how if you rethink, and we do it as part of our training as well, like the strategies that I, I mentioned is in think about this person being independent. And we also question whose need, whose need are you serving when you're drafting these plans? Is yeah. it your agency need or is it this person who wants right. to achieve these goals? So um, we try to do it in multiple different ways that the impact that we're leaving is changing the framework and the culture to enable that person and, and that agency to think outside the box and say, well, it's not impossible. You know, you know, try different solutions. You know, even we see with technology that sometimes you have to maybe our specialists would kind of challenge or give examples of you know, how you may overcome a challenge. Like sometimes it, we did an example from ARC where um, this individual had uh, kind of behavioral challenges where she'd be loud and shout and it was preventing her from being successful. And they were going to involve um, build out this kind of behavior strategy. And basically she, she watched videos of herself, you know, cal- using kind of common strategies to say, we have a video um, online and it's um, I can share it with anyone who wants to get access to it. But as Stacy, lower your breath, Stacy, take deep breaths. Um, so for the agency, they thought this, how are we going to overcome this? But it really is uh, thinking outside the box and continuously trying to question yourself. And I think, you know, um, raising awareness and seeing other examples of how other agencies do it or, just being open, even if it's like running a pilot, because you're not sure if you can fully deploy this. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we don't want to do is from our work is to limit our expectations based on our environment. Um, Because that's where we see that, like it it obviously, uh, you know, is limiting the the potential for that. Yeah, absolutely. Bravo. That's so true. I, I love your answer. It was couched with enthusiasm and hope. <laughs> yeah. And, I and, think and I, we have to have that because we do. We do. We know what's possible. I like, and I'm not saying this is easy. It's definitely not. Mm-hmm. But we have to try our best. And and we, ha- I, I know great agencies that's doing great work in in this space, and others who maybe more, you know, I don't want to say institutionalized, but has a structure in place that is is limited to enable uh, like innovation and and change yes but very inflexible that's the word yeah <laughs> but I think we we are moving forward and I think there is kind of um there is opportunities um so I'm, I'm definitely living in hope but I'm, I'm seeing examples kind of throw a work so that's what inspiring me to you know, continue. And and obviously, thank you very much for allowing this opportunity that we can share and open up those conversations of of what is possible. Ah, my pleasure. What would be the 
next step for somebody who wants to learn more about this or who wants to just take it forward into their community, whether it's an individual, a family member, caregiver, or an agency person themselves? Because we have people listening from all over the world. So what would be the, the best first step for them to take at this point? Yeah, well, look, I think there's a lot of resources on our website, which is availsupport.com. We have some video examples, probably some that I mentioned um, on on this call and podcast. Um, We also have a contact page there, or feel free to reach out to me directly at lisamarie.clinton at centralreach.com. So we will have Lisa Marie's, all of this contact information, we'll have it in the show notes so you can get in touch with her. And please go out there, folks, and just push forward for a better day for your people because, or for yourself, because it's out there. There are a lot of innovative things to try, and you don't need to be stuck in the same old, same old with the board maker pictures. You know, there are other things to do. (laughs) There's a lot going on in technology. (laughs) Hours and hours I've spent. Um, I, I still have some on my walls just if I need some motivation now and again. I said, we need to think differently yeah. um, and extend. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about just, you know, we get people like Lisa Marie who have an idea. They're inspired by something. They're motivated by something. For you, it was Liam and his beautiful story. And, you know, the fact that you were able to get this in motion, and I know it took a long time, it just goes to show that creativity wins out. And so audience, if you have an idea, if you have some thing that you're thinking about, you know, don't put it on the shelf, start talking about it with other people and see if you can get something moving because our best ideas come from within our community, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was so great to meet you. Thank you so much. I know the time difference is a little bit of a little hairy, um, but we really appreciate you coming on the show. And we're so excited to learn about about this technology and about strategies that you've been using that are working. Thank you, Annette. And, and it was a wonderful conversation. So I hope others can obviously take from it and empower and get innovative. So, um, but thank you very much for, for sharing our work. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.